You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. It's easier to trust someone else than to actually go and do the work and find out if the doctor's advice is the best advice because going to get a second opinion or learn about nutrition takes some work, takes some effort. It's easier to just like trust someone and then blame it afterwards than actually learning the skills and, and, and reading and you know getting all the relevant knowledge to really choose if you trust someone. So yeah, of course it's, it's easier and as you said, it's like it's, it's someone that I can always blame later on, so it's not on me. And, and of course, when it's us, so we have to work harder. The, we have to take the responsibility. And um, we have to go through the process. And most people, it's easier for them not to go through the process. That was Ronan Gaffney, the founder of FreshBiz and the co-author of The New Entrepreneurs, Changing the Way You Play Life. In this episode, we discuss the importance of going all in and betting on yourself, as well as some of the misconceptions of what it means to go all in. We also discuss some of the counterintuitive truth about entrepreneurship, especially as it relates to how you're charging for your value. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Ronan, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Charlie. It's my pleasure. As we were talking about this particular episode, one of the things that came up is the idea of going all in in your either entrepreneurial or creative pursuit. Because I think, Ronan, what we've both seen is that people um, become super hesitant when it's time to actually start actualizing their idea and, and moving forward. And in many ways, that trips them up. And I also think, you know, as we talked about it, that there's some false conceptions about what going all in means and how frequent we actually do that. So um, from your perspective, um, let's sort of unpack that a little bit and pull everybody into the conversation. Um, What does going all in mean? Um, So I think that, you know, first of all, we need to um, we need to really understand like the different types of going all in because as you say all in and as we as we use it i think that most people kind of have like the mental picture of someone putting all the chips in a poker game in the middle of the table and like this is it like i'm going for everything and and when you do that there are like three types of like going in one is that you know you simply stupid you have no concept of uh, how the game actually works and you just put everything in so this is of course out of the t- out of the question, this is not the type of all-in that we are talking about. It's not just like being stupid about something, just like throwing yourself into something that you have no skills or no idea how it works. So that's not that's not the type that we are talking about. The second type is, you know, when you when you think you can get, uh, you can fool the entire table. You know, you have a lousy hand and you think you can fool the entire table um, and you're taking a very big risk. And you depends on everyone else, like buying into your uh, lie, let's say. That's also not one that I'm talking about. I'm only talking about like the third one when you know that you have a winning hand and you're willing to risk something to really go for it. As long as you know that, you know, this is tonight's game and tomorrow you might have another game and you're not betting 
your entire life on this specific uh, hand. You just trust yourself enough to have a winning hand so you can take the risk. So first of all, this is the one that I'm talking about. This is the all-in that I'm talking about. Um, but I see so many different entrepreneurs, and I really I work with thousands around the globe, that they are really afraid to take that move, even if they know they have a, a winning hand. And I'll explain like what's a winning hand in a second. But I think that what's more important than that is kind of the false notice that we have that we think that we don't go all in, that we keep ourselves safe, that we are responsible and, you know, we are taking like measures, steps uh, into, you know, leaping into whatever we do. But that's not, that's not the, the true story. The true story is that we do all kinds of different all-ins um, in all kinds of aspects in our lives. For example, you know, we send our kids to school, so it's all in with the educational system. We trust the system that they will give our kids the proper education to actually be effective in, uh, in the world after that. We, we go all in with putting our money in the bank. We put, we're going all in with going to the doctor and trust the doctor uh, with our health. And, and we all know that you know, doctors are wrong and banks are falling down and educational systems are so irrelevant and we still keep like putting all our chips in those systems. But when it comes to actually put all, this, all the chips on us, on our skills, on our abilities, this is when we start like thinking and rethinking and, and doubting and all of that. So I want to kind of want to flip this. I want to I wanna ask people, first of all, to have million questions before they put the money in the bank or the kids in school, which is more important, and learning how to trust themselves more and, and really being able to go all in for, for them. Because uh, I think the idea at the end of the day is to really become someone that you are willing to go all in for, being, being that someone for yourself. I think it's one of the reasons that we sort of abdicate um, those questions or, or sort of we, we give those external institutions a, a blank check is because then we, you know, if it doesn't work out, we have somebody to blame. You know, it's like the doctor was wrong. The school was wrong. The bank I did, you know, I did the right thing. It didn't work out. Um, it's not my fault. But when we bet on ourselves, you do have someone to blame, right? Um, you can't point out to the world. I mean, you can, but you just have to work harder, right? Yeah. Um, to, to pull up the story where it's somebody else's fault that your idea didn't work or something like that. And so I, I think, you know, one of the things at play there is just this, um, sense of personal responsibility and blame. Mm -hmm. With these systems, we think we don't have the personal responsibility, right? That's, uh, that's completely true. It's like, first of all, we don't have this personal responsibility. And also, you know, it's, it's easier to trust someone else than to actually go and do the work and find out if the doctor's advice is the best advice. Because going to get a second opinion or learn about nutrition takes some work, takes some effort. It's easier to just like trust someone and then blame it afterwards than actually learning the skills and, and, and reading and, you know, getting all the relevant knowledge to really choose if you trust someone. So, yeah, of course, it's, it's easier. And as you said, it's like it's, it's someone that I can always blame later on. So it's not on me. And, and of course, when it's us, so we have to work harder. We have to take the responsibility. 
And um, we have to go through the process. And most people, it's easier for them not to go through the process. You realized earlier, or you said earlier that, um, you know, when you know you've got a winning hand, going ahead and playing it or, or something along mm-hmm. those lines, right? But I think yes. part mm-hmm. of the challenge is um, a lot of people, whether they're entrepreneurs or creatives, don't know whether their hand is a winning one or not, right? Um, and even, you know, if we were to keep with the poker analogy, you might have mm-hmm. a pretty good hand, but you can still be beat with that pretty good hand, right? Because you don't know what else is on the table. Um, might be overstretching the, the, the metaphor there. Um, and so how does one determine whether they have a good hand or not? So, first of all, it's, it's, uh, it's a great question because it's, it's really about that. It's really about really understanding what a good hand is. And I think that the difference between, um, between poker and, and entrepreneurship, for example, is that when you talk about entrepreneurship, first of all, there can be more than one winner. So it's not about having the best hand on the table. It's just about having a good hand. And that's a, and that's a difference because you're not focusing on is anyone somewhere out there have a better hand than me? Because probably someone does. Someone is always like smarter, uh, better looking, more talented, has more money. It's like, it's always true. So if we come from the approach that I need to have the best hand, then it's, it's a failure to start with. But the good thing about business is that you don't have to be the only one that, that's winning and you don't have to be number one. You can just win the game. That's a, a major part of what we do in, in FreshBiz in our workshops in through the game. It's, it's teaching people that there are all kinds of different wins. So having a winning hand, as I see it, is just like being able to understand that, first of all, you know how to learn because you're never going to have all the, all the answers in advance. Uh, you're always going to face new questions and you will always have to find new answers. So first of all, you need to believe in yourself that you know how to learn the right skills and to get the right information. So the ability to learn is, is number one. And, and I think that the second element, which is also very important, is to understand and to know that you can handle the falls and the punches that you are going to get because you are going to get punched. If you think that you are going to go on the path of entrepreneurship or starting a business or finding a life partner, whatever, without uh, getting punched uh, in your face while doing this, um, then you're wrong because you are going. That's that's life. That life is a chaos, and and you know shit happens. So I think the idea is to know that you're gonna fall, but you know how to uh, stand up again and keep on working. So if you have those two elements, the ability to know that you know how to learn and to get the skills and the knowledge, and you know that you're going to face challenges that you will know how to overcome. Because this is the path that you're choosing to go. This is like having a winning hand. It's not like just jumping stupidly into something, which means you know that you're going to face challenges, but you have the power to overcome them. Then that's a good start. That's a good hand as I see it. Well, I would like to add two things to this. One is the mindset, a flexible mindset and knowing when you need to trade cards. You know what I mean? Knowing that this idea that you had 
Um, you know, the, most of, un, unless you, you were raised in an entrepreneurial family and you kind of have it like baked in you, most of our first ideas are not the best, are not the best ones. Right. Um, definitely. And, and you so, always have to pivot. Yeah. Right? And, and you always have to pivot and you always have to know. And so there's this art of knowing when it's hard because you're breaking ground or knowing when it's hard mm-hmm. because it's just not a good idea. You know, Definitely. and yeah. I, I can't give like the seven step formula for that. <laughs> um, but that that's just one of those is knowing when to hold and when to fold, you know, that kind of whatnot. Um, I'd say Definitely. the second one is um, just being better at the basics. I mean, I, I think so many entrepreneurs mm-hmm. think that they have to beat Apple and everything that Apple mm-hmm. does when really they have to beat the business down the street that's doing terribly. You know, yeah. if, if you were to go competitively. And so mm-hmm. it's really the basics yeah. sometimes of following up when people email you or knowing, like being able to listen and knowing when someone is is um, hedging on a sales conversation um, or, you know, following up with that sales conversation and make an invitation or, you know, um, as Seth would say, care more. Right. There's some of these basic yeah, things definitely. that that I think that people don't realize are the foundation for entrepreneurial and creative and life success that actually, if you focus on those foundations, you can, you know, have a, a mediocre idea and trade up, right? You can have Mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a bad, a bad idea and trade up and, and work it through it, but not if you don't have these foundational skills that, will keep you in the game and keep you, um, you know, attentive and keep you um, in the right mindset for success. And so I would add those two on there. I know they're probably, you know, part of the things that you mentioned earlier, but I I think, you know, knowing when to stick and when to pivot and two, um, knowing just the core things that customers value and prospects value and sticking to those, sticking to that knitting can take you a really, really long way. Definitely. I, I totally agree. It's definitely about uh, mindset. It's, it's always about mindset because this is like, this determines everything because every time you come across a challenge or you fall or everything, what gets you back in the game is always the mindset. And, uh, and definitely the, the basic skills just uh, give you a better hand to start with. Just instead of like starting with those uh, two and seven, just like start with, uh, start with a king. Um, it's it's so important, really. It's so important to just know the basics because, as you said, it's not about beating the big ones. I don't think it's even about beating someone else. I think it's just like being able to bring value into the market. So if you have the basics covered and you can focus on your uniqueness and on the value that you bring, so it's much easier than just like uh, really learning the basics and then thinking about your value and then bringing it to the, to the market. It's you you really start from a from a better position, so I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I go the competitive angle is because mm-hmm. um, the world is moving more and more into an attention economy, and mm-hmm. um, you know whatever businesses out there already have people's attention and loyalty. Um, you got to figure out um, you know what to do with that, and how do you get the attention and loyalty that that one business has if you're in a if you're in a relevant spot. And so, I mean, there's always new customers right. rolling in. But I think, you know, when we look at business, it is both sides of the coin. It's it's where is the cooperation and co-creation? That's sort of one side of the coin. And where's the competition, the real competition? And knowing both elements and and which one is the important one in any given conversation. Obviously, that's a challenging point, right? But I think yeah, it's both. Yeah. You know, it's, it's both being able to see um, – 
to see the marketplace and and where you can get um, where you can start a beachhead, but also to see the marketplace and see where you can start collaborating. Exactly. It's um, I think as you said at the end of the day, it's uh, the only competition is. Uh, it's about getting the attention of the customer. So it's not about beating someone else. It's just like being unique enough and valuable enough to get this, uh, to get the attention you're looking for from the people that you, you're looking to get the attention from, because you don't need to get it from everyone. You just need to get it from your clients, your customers. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the only thing we, we fight over. I think it's the, it's the attention spam of, uh, of the clients. Ronan, I'm curious, can you tell me a story of when you weren't quite all in on a business or an idea um, and what happened and then how you either um, got all in or got out of it? No, okay. I think that the entire story of how uh, Fresh, Fresh Beat started is, um, is that kind of a story because um, – just to give our listeners the, the context of what uh, FreshBiz is, it's a, it's a training company that is based on a board game that I developed. And the, the board game is called uh, FreshBiz as well. And it's kind of the monopoly of the new shared economy. It's like it's a game that teaches you the skills of um, what I believe is necessary to, uh, to know and to understand in today's economy, which are exactly the things that we've been talking about here. It's the ability to know how to collaborate when you need to collaborate how to be creative, how to be proactive, all those things. And, and the entire business started as, as an idea to develop a game. It wasn't uh, an idea to develop uh, a business, to start a business. I had no specific uh, you know, goal or I had no specific mission that I wanted to achieve. It wasn't a game that developed to deliver a message. It was just like you know, a spark of an idea of me wanting to create a game and then I called in two of my friends and we started like, you know, uh, sketching on a board and, and it was a process of about six years of um, designing, testing, redesigning. And, and I remember that at the end of those six years where I had a lot of fun de- designing the game and developing the game, um, I had to like make a decision is this going to be a business or this is just another project that I've been, you know, part of, like I had tons of those before and I've been part of also all kinds of different startups and all kinds of different ideas. And it could very much easily been put aside, uh, you know, in those uh, project folders on my, uh, on my laptop and just like forget about it. Um, and for about, I think, over a year, that was, that was the case. I just put it aside. I had the entire game ready, but I wasn't really ready to move forward and turn it into a business. And, and at some point, I needed to, to make a decision. Am I going to take this board game into, uh, and turn it into a business? And what made the decision either, even more um, you know, hard to make was the fact that because I was kind of like a serial entrepreneur, at that point, I already had um, about $100,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually start a business when you're already into so much debt? Is that a smart move to do? Or should I like, you know, first of all, find a job, get the debt paid, and then maybe go in and, uh, and start a business? 
But then I decided this is like too important to put aside uh, longer than it's already been aside because I because I start getting those feedback from the people that play the game and the impact that it created in their lives. And I understood that this is this is the timing. Um, and the all-in decision that I had to make was basically selling the the house that I bought five years earlier, um, get to make some profit on it. I needed to sell it, pay back the debt, pay back the mortgage, and, and take the rest and invest it in starting the business. And that's exactly what I did. So there was a moment when I made a decision that this is this is the right this is the right moment, and I trust myself enough, and I trust the game enough um, to be able to uh, to buy back the house and and to really turn fashions into a business. Um, so that's that that was my Olympic uh, story. Cool. Well, did you? I'm curious. Did you have a family at the time, like a partner and kids or anything like that? Yeah, wife. My first kid was uh, my first son was already like three and a half years old. Uh, we had another uh, daughter on the way, so yeah, it wasn't like you know I'm free in the world, single. I can do whatever I want. Uh, I already had like the commitment of uh, of a family. So if you can and, and you feel comfortable doing, like, pull me into mm-hmm. that conversation with your wife, right? Because here you are, <laughs> you know, hundred k yeah. in debt, and you got of all things a game. Um, and you want to sell the house, um, so that you can pay off the debt and make this thing, which has been, I like to call it a jobby, right? Or I got it from, uh, Michelle Woodward, right? It's somewhere yeah. between a job and a hobby, you know, Definitely. uh, it's all the it work of a job, a job without the pay. A, it was a hundred percent hobby at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you, you want to convert this hobby into a business after, you know, by selling the house when, oh, by the way, you've got a three and a half year old kid and a, and a new one on the way. Um, how yeah. does that conversation unfold? Well, first of all, um, I got to say that it wasn't like a conversation uh, that started out of, uh, out of nothing. It wasn't like uh, just throwing it into the conversation um, without any preparations because, um, I met my wife on a self-development course. So our entire journey together is always based on, on self-development and, you know, pushing the boundaries and really, um, fulfilling our, our dreams and our goals. So the conversation about selling the house, it wasn't easier, but it, it has like the, the infrastructure of self-development, which is very, very important. Because I think that throwing an idea like that uh, into, you know, into a family situation without having the infrastructure of, of self-development and, and, you know, taking responsibility of your, over your, your life and, and the conversation of fulfilling your goals and your dreams is it's much, it's much harder, much harder than when you do have the, that infrastructure. So um, I must say for my wife that she came very, very open to the conversation because of all the joint work that we've done uh, up until that point. But it wasn't easy as it is as, as well, because, you know, um, a house is uh, something that for her uh, represented, you know, security and like achievements in life. And, you, and it's a house that we bought in a new town that we moved into and we kind of changed all our life to, to be able to get this uh, house in the suburbs and with the fence and the 
you know, and a piece of uh, of land around it. Um, so it was a hard decision, but I think the the conversation um, turned into you know the difference between a house and a home, and and the understanding that even if you sell even if you sell your house, which are the four walls that you live in, but you keep the home where, where it's the environment and the family that allows you to fulfill your dreams. So then the question is, what's more important? What actually gives you the security, gives you like owning a house is the security or being in a place where you trust yourself to fulfill your dreams and, and be able to provide for yourself and your family I think that's that's a higher level of security, and and I think that a home is a place that lets everyone go and fulfill his dreams with within the restrictions of what it, what it means to raise a family, and an entire conversation was around that. I'm so glad that you mentioned this distinction between um, a house and a home, especially as it relates to. Um, creative work and entrepreneurship and things like that. Because I've sensed, you know, I've worked with with lots of folks too. I've sensed that so many people are, um, I call it creatively constipated, right? Where they, mm-hmm. they have the ideas, they have the inspiration, but they're not pushing it. They're not doing anything and things get super toxic, right? And yeah. so they go to work and they have the idea and they want to push it and they want to do something with it and they can't because they're at work. And then they go home and because of different things, they can't do it there. And so it really becomes that these places end up becoming just these material places that they go to, you know, back and forth, but they don't have Mm -hmm. that deeper sort of spiritual element where work is this sort of sacred place where you go and, um, you know, do work that, that, you know, has, is very meaningful and valuable. And when you go home, it doesn't have that same sense of feeling. They're just not everywhere they go. They're not really there. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And so I'm, I'm glad you pulled that out because that, that I think that's a challenge that, that people don't put on the table. It's like, yeah, I've got the house and I've got the two cars and I've got the good neighborhood, but fundamentally, not, it doesn't actually have any meaning for me because I'm not doing that thing that I'm, that I'm being called to do or that I've been putting off for 10 years. Exactly, exactly. And um and I think that really the infrastructure of, you know, the self-development process is, is very, very important because, um, as we said before, it's always about the mindset and it's always about the story you choose to tell yourself um, when, when you're making a move. Because, um, you know, the, the other conversation that we had, which was like more of a financial conversation about what it means to keep the house and what it means to sell the house um, you know, another question that I asked my wife is, do you want to, you know, stay and keep on living in this specific, ha- this specific house, um, for the next 20 years or 30 years until we, we finish with the mortgage. And, and she said, no, at some point I would like to move. I don't want to stay in a, I don't want to find myself in 20 years living in a 20 years old house that was like suitable for when we were 20, but I don't think would be suitable when we will be 60. So the conversation went to, so this is actually a financial decision because if at some point we're going to sell, which would be the best point to sell? Do you think we're going to make more money on the house by raising its value than we can do with our business? And then it came back to the conversation of, 
do we trust ourselves enough with the money to really build a business that would be worth much more than the house itself? And, and if it's a financial transaction now, and if we trust ourselves to build something that later on we'll be able to, to buy the house again or to buy another house again, um, this is, again, a conversation of do I trust myself enough to build something which will be more valuable? And are we willing to go on the path of learning whatever we need to learn and working on those skills and, and you know, getting those uh, punches and, and standing up again and really move forward and build something? And it was a joint decision to, to go there because what's the alternative? Not doing it? Not doing it, I think it's a much sadder life than owning your own house, but not really feeling there as a place that you can really live the life you want to live. So who cares about the house anymore? Yeah, the house is temporary no matter what. You know, it's, it's, exactly. whether it's temporary of five years or whether it's temporary of 15 years, that, that changes exactly. the conversation, right? Um, from a, exactly. you know, but, but I think that pulls out an important point because so often, you know, we kind of started this on going all in. I, I think it's the the emotional anchors that we give to some of the different things in our lives like this. Like if a house means eternal security, right? This particular house in this particular place means eternal security and stability. Um, then you're actually blocked out of a lot of options because you can't ask the question, might we be happier or more secure somewhere else? Because this house in this place in time is what that meant. So you have to sort of dislodge some of these um, emotional defaults that we'll place on different things. And I think we can do that like on our job, like our job might mean security and in that certain, certain way. But if having a job is the only way you can be secure, um, then it's going to block, obviously entrepreneurship is going to block probably some creative activities and things like that. But we can't ask the question like, you know, how many people have you seen who have thought that a job meant security and stability only to walk in one day and be laid off and there's nothing they could do about that. Right. Um, and so it seems secure, it seems stable. Um, but really the most stable foundation that we have in this world is, um, you know, our sort of personal foundation in the communities in which we place ourselves into. And th those can remain stable, but the jobs and the houses and the cars and all the stuff, it comes and goes. That's the way of things. Definitely. It's just about uh, being able to reframe the story that we tell ourselves about life, about jobs, about, uh, about security in general, about all those different things. Because, uh, yeah, as you said, I think it's uh, if we build a, a strong foundation of ourselves really trusting ourselves and then trusting like the the world we live in and that can be your your community or just like general trust in in the universe that it will uh follow up and 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 meet you halfway uh to to be able to fulfill your mission in life then then i think that's that's a secret the secret is like the balance between trusting yourself and trusting the universe to to have a, success, a successful game in, in life. Because uh, what else do we actually have more than that? Nothing which, nothing is more sustainable than really trusting yourself and trusting the, the world. So speaking of games, you mentioned earlier that um, your original idea was that FreshBiz was just going to be the game that you were selling, correct? Yes. Um, how did you, or tell us about how you determined that like either the game wasn't going to be enough or 
that there was this thing that people were really buying, which was the training. So tell how did that emerge? Um, so first of all, I certainly been through the process, as I said before, of self-development, and then um, I went into coaching. So, so I had the background of, of uh, being able to, to create a workshop, to create a learning process. Uh, and when I start you know, seeing people playing the game, at the beginning, it was kind of weird to me that they came back after like a few days of, of playing the first game, telling me that this is more than just a game for them. They're also starting to do things differently in, in, their, in their businesses, in their relationships. And, and I found it quite, quite strange because for me, it was, for me, it was a game. When I played a game, I, <clears throat> I simply saw it as a game. And then, you know, I went on with whatever I had to, to go on with. But, um, but for them, it was more meaningful. And then I had to like take a deeper look and what I understood is that things that came, came kind of natural to me wasn't that obvious to other people. So the way that I saw, for example, uh, collaborations in the game or, or opportunities or the ability to uh, spend money and not be so attached to it, like, other people had all kinds of different stories about it. So what I, what I had to do is like, I, first of all, for me personally, I had to understand the process that they're going through. So I needed to understand what's in the game, what's in the gameplay uh, is actually, you know, triggers all of that. And I, what I did is kind of a reverse engineering of the game. I kind of like took a deeper look into the game and I, and I tried to understand what is the mechanism of the game that generates this behavior or understandings or insights in them. And, and because I came from the background of... Uh, of coaching, so I said, okay, I'll do, I'll do a game, but then I'll also explain what just happened to you in the game, so you will have kind of the perspective of what you just went through. And that was like a basic, very, um, very short workshop, like two hours or something. They played the game for like 90 minutes, and then I gave them like 30 minutes of insights, but then they asked more, and then they asked more, and then it became like a, a three-hour workshop, and then it became a full day, and then it became a weekend. It's kind of like grew organically because people was looking for better understanding because I think that what people find mostly interesting is a better way to understand themselves. If you can provide them that, that's like the most interesting subject anyone can talk about because it's like people really want to better understand why they do what they do and how they can change the things they don't like into something that serves them better. So. The entire process was about really understanding how the game generates it and explain it to them. And, and then later on, in, in, I think in the past like two years or so, then we actually really started generating more and more new content that can really give people skills um, you know, to be able to, to succeed and thrive in, in today's economy because there is so much around us now in the you know in the new shared economy that people need to understand because we are really shifting many of the basic beliefs about business and entrepreneurship and what's possible uh so we started adding more and more knowledge into it and and you know tweet the game and like uh come up with new ideas and new goals and new ways to play the game 
to really teach those skills. But at the beginning, it was really just the idea to be able to understand and explain, first of all, to myself and then to others, what's in the game that actually makes them think differently. That's fantastic. You know, I was just, I, you, you may or may not know this. I'm a tabletop gamer. So I'm like, man, the expansion oh, packs cool. that you can have for this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what's great about <laughs> games like this, because I'm looking at two right now, and one is um, Transformation, which is a personal transformation game. Um, and the other, I think, is Sacred River, I think is the name of it. Um, what's really great about these games is um, that they enable you to get outside of yourself and see yourself. Because, you know, it's so hard to read the label when you're stuck inside the jar. Definitely. And that's what these games do. They externalize your, I mean, I'm not, I haven't played your game, but I imagine, right. Mm -hmm. That, that, you know, yeah. it externalizes different values. It externalizes different goals. It externalizes different challenges. And when we um, can get outside of ourselves and see those challenges from a distance, they become a lot easier to solve, which I mean, of course, which is why we're both employed as coaches, right? Because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. yeah. We pull these challenges and values and things out and can put a th an external view on them. And so um, that's fantastic. And it, it's interesting how, how that emerges, right? That, that um, what I wanted to call out, because it happens for a lot of entrepreneurs, is the thing that's most natural and easiest for you that you don't even think about is the thing that other people latch onto is incredibly valuable. Um, and what, exactly. I'll just re what I'll remind our listeners about is it's counterintuitive, but the things that's the most natural – um, to you are the things you should be charging the most for. Um, we, we get it wrong. We charge more for the things that are hard for us. And that way we end up working our tails off doing things that are hard yeah, for us. Because, because exactly. I, I see a lot of people that, you know, they, they find it challenging to charge a lot for what's easy for them because they think it's, if it's that easy, how can I charge so much money for it when they don't understand like the value that it really have. For, for other people that it's not that easy for them. And I think that's like, that's a big step for every entrepreneur just to understand that, yeah, what's come natural for me, it's my gift. And my gift is, is the most precious thing that I can offer. That's the biggest value that I can offer. And of course I should charge accordingly. And that's uh, that's a big step for a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, it's two big steps. One is seeing it in the first place, right? Seeing, yeah, seeing that this gift that you have and seeing and owning that, that's the hard part. The second part is in charging for it. Right. Um, yeah. but you know, you can get stuck in either place. And plus we have all these sort of myths around hard work and that the harder you work, the more you deserve mm -hmm. and things like that, that end up yeah. hijacking, um, hijacking it. And, and the, I think the conclusion of some of those myths and our following of them is that, we end up in careers and businesses that are really, really hard. Um, mm -hmm. And we're, I mean, the hard day in, day out, and, you know, we're scared and we're always in that place of, of struggle and strife um, just because this, this foundational mindset belief that, you know, the harder you work, the more yeah. you deserve, you know, mm -hmm. I think there could be yeah. another way that uh, I, I would want people to play with the more natural it comes to you, the more that you can earn, and the more value that you can provide. Definitely. Um, That's and, like the, the universe law of uh, minimum effort. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the game is emerging. Um, you, you, you've gone all in. You know, that's a really interesting um, – hmm, I'm, I'm curious – what are the part? What are the parts of the business now where you're starting to come up to that going all in edge point? You know what I mean. Like businesses grow, mm -hmm. and we have to make different decisions. Are you are you currently yeah. on the cusp of having to make that one yet again? 
Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a constant thing because always you always you know you put your goals a bit higher than you can um, that you can jump, and you can always need to come up with the, those new skills and new commitments. Um, I think that now is kind of the commitment to um, to go all in globally because at the moment we are we are active in in over twenty countries. But we came to the point that um, we really need to travel more, and uh, and and being able to you know being able to travel more is it's it's a big all in because you really need to be committed to be away from your family uh, to spend the time to spend the money to really go and and grow your business around the globe. Uh, so I think that's the all in that I'm I'm standing in front of. At the moment, is really being able to choose that I'm, I'm all in for the next level of my business, which is really building it as a, as a global successful business that, that I get to be presented in uh, in different countries because now we do it through other facilitators and other partners, um, but I need to step forward and actually be present in in some of them. So that's that's the next uh, leap of all in that that we are in the that we are facing at the moment. Are there any particular stories or challenges that are, that are in front of you that are keeping you from just jumping in in that way? Um, number one is family, of course, because uh, it's it's spending time away from from my kids and my wife. So that's I think that's the major one. Um, second one is. Um, it's pretty tiring to <laughs> to fly to fly so much to so many different places. You know, getting those jet lags and and jumping back and forth because uh, you know from going to the US to going to Asia, you kind of like jumping like uh, twelve hours from from one to another. So you have to build it in the right way. And and the second thing is that there are so many different opportunities. Just like choosing the right places to go to because you can't go to too many places in a year. Um, that's, that's a challenge. So just like smartly choose the hands you want to play and then go play all in with those hands. That's, that's the game now. That is the game. You know, I, I'm wondering whether I'm going to ask this question. Yeah, I'm going to ask it now that I'm, now that I'm <laughs> um, what's your sufficiency point? I mean, and the reason I ask this is a lot of times in entrepreneurship, we talk about growth. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't talk about sufficiency when we're at the level that is the right level for our lives, all things considered, right? And so you're mm-hmm. right, absolutely making a global jump, going from a regional sort of business to a global business, that's a pretty big jump, all things considered. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you know what what came up for me, and this is just how I think is like, okay, well, is the regional level the right level that that all things considered with mm-hmm. your kids and with your family and with your values? you're at the perfect level mm-hmm. um, or is it that next level? I don't know, but I'm just curious about that. Yeah. So first of all, we are, we are already a global business. Okay. Uh, so it's not that it's not the choice between staying uh, local or going global because we are already global. It's more of the choice about me personally. Am I going to be global? Am I going to present myself and, and stand in front of the audience and deliver my message personally, globally. So that's kind of the point that I'm at. And, you know, there are, 
there are two ways to to look at the business at this point. Um, one is like my business goals, okay? And I can definitely achieve my business goals staying locally in Israel and, and running a, lo- a global business. So it's not about the business goals that, that's not the reason that I'm doing it. Um, the reason that I'm doing it is has to do more with my um, mission in life than, than the business aspect of it. And, and I think that part of my, business, my mission in life is to personally deliver my message in different places around the globe um, because there are parts of the message that at this point I think only I can deliver. So although I already you know, took the effort and, and created a mechanism that can teach other people to, to deliver the, the FreshBiz message, Part of it, I still need to deliver myself so I can train more people to be more accurate with the way they, they deliver it. Because the idea behind FreshBiz is to really, you know, elevate a global mindset. And I need to be in different places to be able to deliver this specific message to people from different backgrounds, and different cultures. So it's more has to do with my mission than the business. And I think that after I will do that for another year or two, I think that will be sufficient for me because I would know that by then I will have the, the right people that can keep on delivering the message. And then maybe I can, you know, come every once in a while and take it to the next level. But uh, it will definitely be sufficient that after I will, I will understand and I will have the knowledge that I have enough people that can le- deliver the correct message and then I can come back home and rest for a while. <laughs> Seems like you got it figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope so. <laughs> well, we'll see in a couple of years. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so as the guest on today's episode, you get to leave our listeners with either an invitation or a challenge to do something from, you know, um, what we've talked about from this particular episode. So um, what would you like to invite or challenge our readers, to, or our listeners to do? Well, okay. Um, I think that I would like to invite them to go all in for something and, and really go all in for something that they feel comfortable enough that they could learn all they need to learn on the path to, to achieve it. And they're willing to you know, get, get punched and stand up again and move forward. So just like take something, some area in your life that you are willing to just like really go in and trust yourself to be success, successful and, and do it, go for it. Like put aside the doubt for a second, understanding, knowing that you have a winning hand just because you are who you are and go for it. Ronan, thanks again for joining me today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much, Charlie. It was my pleasure. It was really fun. All right, listeners. So you heard it from Ronan. What idea, what project, what uh, mission have you been holding back on that you can go all in on in the next week? Those three steps that you can take. They don't have to be the perfect steps. They don't have to be the best step. Just three steps that you could take between now and the next week to go all in on that idea, that goal, or that mission. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that'll help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. 
If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. 